you're an advocate for big girl dancers. And I was like, no, I'm an advocate for great dancers, period. I'm an advocate for great dancers, and but I am also an advocate for there are times when we need to uplift the people who have been marginalized for so long. We need to give them this opportunity so that they understand these opportunities are there. Hey there, I'm Katina, one of the co-founders of Daydreamers, and you're listening to the Unproductive Podcast, a weekly chat where we pick the brains of creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers, and tinkerers, all of whom have approached life differently. Together, we're redefining how we spend our free time in a world that's hyper-focused on efficiency at the expense of, well, everything else. We'll dig into the habits, mindsets, and experiences of some of the most creative minds in our world today, so we can all spend a little less time scrolling and a little more time dreaming. Let's get started. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Unproductive Podcast. We're back for episode seven. As you might know, we took a pause last week for episode seven that was going to air regarding El Luna. It just didn't sit right with us to continue as if nothing was going on in the world. And we wanted to take a break to give the voices that need to be heard a chance. And with that, we're super excited to bring you an episode with Jamel McWilliams to talk about those voices and the challenges that even exist today. But before we dive into the episode, we want to give a shout out to a reviewer named Rebo. (laughs) Love the chill vibes of the show. Makes you feel like you're in the room with them and their guest speakers. I appreciate when they define what a specific term or brand or group is in any case the listener isn't aware, aware of what it is. I love how everyone's reactions is that we have chill vibes or our voices are really calm. (laughs) If anyone agrees with that, tell us. But even Jamel went in our conversation at the end. This wasn't recorded, but he asked if we ever recorded meditations because we have such calming voices. So thank you all for that. Um, But anyway, we have such a good episode today. We're talking with Jamel McWilliams, who is a highly regarded creative and artistic director, choreographer, movement coach, and just amazingly talented human being who has worked with the likes of Lizzo, John Legend, Janelle Monae, Alicia Keys, Tracy Ellis Ross, and so many other talented artists. If you already don't know, Jamel was a lead choreographer for many of the culturally moving and relevant performances, such as Janelle Monae's 2020 Oscar performance. This was the first time a queer black woman with a black male artistic director with a 75% black dance crew took the historically white award show and killed it. Honestly, (laughs) it was a great, great performance. And then Jamel goes on to create Lizzo's industry-changing performances that launched the Big Girls crew, and we'll hear all about that. Yeah, Jamel is all about kind of changing the way things are done, but even though he's accomplished all of these great things, you'll just be able to tell that Jamel is truly just a 
magical human whose energy is so palpable when you listen to his voice and his passion it just seeps through every single thing he says and in this chat we'll talk about his journey he's a self-proclaimed journeyman um, who grew up as a young black boy in dc who loved dancing and singing but kind of lost his way and ended up coming back to his passions and rising through the ranks from backup dancer to now lead artistic director who's literally changing the industry as we know it so through that we'll not only talk about his experience but also his very scientific slash spiritual storytelling process and how he removes his ego from his creations in order to set anyone who's watching free yeah and Regarding the spirituality, you'll hear how Jamel talks about gaining your alignment mm. with the world to find your purpose. And it's amazing how the world works because we had this podcast episode record recording scheduled for early spring. And then it ultimately kept getting pushed back with everything that's going on in our world today till last week. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah, it was just amazing because it's just so relevant, so timely for everything that's going on. And because of that, you'll hear some sirens and noises in the background. We're based in Brooklyn and Jamel is in LA where there have been civil protests going on. And we recorded this on the 10th day of nationwide protests to fight for the injustices for black lives along with the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many others. At Jamel's request, we kept some of the background noises in. Take a listen to what he said. I want you to know that for for this episode, if if there are those very relevant mm-hmm. sirens, mm-hmm. I'd like them to stay in. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. as I think that they are very relevant and it speaks the truth and honesty to even where the three of us are in trying to have this this conversation. So I think that that's actually beautiful context yeah, to, no, true. To, to where we are. So, Yeah, if this doesn't give you a glimpse of Jamel's personality and passion and kind of tendency for advocacy for all, um, I don't know what will. So we can't wait to dive into this conversation with him. But before we do, a quick reminder, as always, don't forget to rate and review the Unproductive podcast in the Apple Store if it jives with you. This simply just helps more people find the podcast and in turn live a more creative and conscious life. So thank you for listening. And please include your name in the review (laughs) so we can give you a shout out. Exactly. Let's get started. Jamel, thank you so much for joining us today. Doobie and I, as we kind of reflected and prepped for this conversation, knew that we've been trying to get this on the calendar for a while, but can't help but think that this is just wonderful timing of the world to really be able to chat right now. So thank you so much for making the time to speak with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both for um having me for reaching out you're right we've been trying to make this happen for a while but always there's always just this divine intervention of alignment and I agree with you this is the perfect time I thank you for for sharing my story as a black man um 
and and as a black creative so yeah yeah. 100 amazing we are so grateful and so with that today we're going to talk about your own personal creative journey and really how that levels up into creating change in the world through creativity um so Before we dive into all those deep things, let's go back to your childhood. This is where we love to bring all of our guests back to because we really view childhood as a place where creativity thrives um, Mm -hmm. before we're told Mm -hmm. who we should be. So could you just describe what you were like as a kid, what you were into, what did you do for fun? Paint a picture for us. Ooh, okay. <laughs> what I was like as a kid. I was a kid who never wore deodorant. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm There's no like, shame in yeah. showering once a week during quarantine. Yeah, we are barely showering now. So. <laughs> well, the funny thing is about that. So my mom tells this story where, uh, or t- has told me the story where, you know, I did. I was just this young boy who was into everything. I loved, I literally loved everything from, mm-hmm. they would call me nature boy, but then I was also super creative kid where I was putting on performances and shows in the neighborhood, you know, whatever the gamut of anything I could get involved in. If the adults were having conversations, I wanted to be involved in that. If the kids were doing whatever they were doing, I just wanted to be involved in everything. But one thing I did not want to be involved in for whatever reason, which is the opposite of who I am now, was showers. <laughs> I just did not want to take a shower. So I would That's go into so the bathroom. Funny. I would run this long bath water. I would sit I there for it. 45 minutes. <laughs> I would just sit there for 45 minutes. So it's, it's, and I remember thinking the reason why I didn't want to do it yeah. was because it took so much time, right? <laughs> but I would take the same amount of time just sitting there making my mom think I took a shower. And then I would douse myself in powder put on my night clothes and get in the bed. So my mother later told me, Jamel, do you think I didn't know? She was like, first of all, you were a dirty little boy who played outside. You were eight to 10 years old. There was a full ring around the tub every time you actually took a shower. So if the tub was spick and span when you left from being in there for an hour, I knew you didn't shower. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I just let you be funky if you wanted to be funky on your own. I love that. So that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, actually, on that, before we dive into anything else, I feel like people always say that their most creative time is in the shower. So do you mm-hmm. feel like during those 45 minutes you were, like, thinking, like, what were you doing during that time? <laughs> <laughs> When I tell you, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I mean, time. what could I? I'm sure I was singing in the mirror. Yeah. I'm sure of that because I was that kid. So to paint that picture of me as an artist, um, I was always singing and dancing, mm. um, just a, a, by nature of how I how I would breathe. Um, I did karate, um, a brown belt, taekwondo, brown belt with a black strip, which is the one level right under being a black belt. Yeah. yeah, And then I would just for fun, sing and dance and try to gather the kids in the neighborhood. I lived on the corner where there was a bus stop. And so every time a bus would come down, I would literally scream, guys, here it comes, here it comes. And then literally I would be on the corner with the kids and we would put on performances. We would put on shows for everybody and people loved f- riding in front of my house. And they would tell my mother all the time, like, your son is so funny. They run out and they put on shows for us. And the bus didn't stop for more than literally like 
45, 40 seconds at the most to let people off. But in that 40 seconds, I got to sing. <laughs> yeah. I got to dance. I got to tap dance. Right, I got to try to give spot. out flyers and brochures <laughs> to come back. Like, what am I doing? But, you know, <laughs> it was the inception it. of who I became yeah. or who I am. It, it was actually I was um, I was creating who I am mm. and then not knowing that this was planting the seeds for what my career path would be yeah, to today. That's beautiful. It seems like you were always a child that wanted this the spotlight on you and you were <laughs> hustling your way to stardom. <laughs> so like, <laughs> tell us about that. You know what? Um, tell us about your b- big break moment. Like what happened, the impetus of like you now becoming, I guess, a, first of all, starting into the industry as a dancer and then, you know, we'll continue your journey from there. But what was that initial discovery? Yeah. I've had a few different discoveries because I consider myself, I call myself a journeyman, mm-hmm. which could also be, be um, <laughs> code for all over the place. Uh, <laughs> and so that. in my life, you know, I've gone through, I've, I've journeyed in so many different areas. So discovery when I was a, a young boy, about um, nine or 10 years old, when I first started jumping into the arts, um, I was my mom. I tell the story all the time. My mom was driving down the street and Michael Jackson came on the radio. Mm-hmm. The spirit hit me. I don't know what it yeah. was. We were at a stoplight. I jumped out of the car in the middle of the intersection while oh we're at God. this red light. What? And I just couldn't help it. But I just started <laughs> doing these MJ dances like pelvis thrust and finger and go and <laughs> like all of it, the, the full gamut. And my yes. mother is screaming. Boy, get your butt back in this car. What are you doing? That's dangerous. Yada, yada, yada. The next thing I know, my, my someone's honking behind, honking behind. My mother's like, who is this crazy lady honking, trying to pull me off to the side? So my mother pulls off thinking that there's maybe the trunk is open or a gas tank is open or something. And so she pulls off. The lady gets out the car and she's like, hi, I have an academy and your son is a star. Wow. And she was like, my mom was like, what? And she's like, he's a star. Does he do any dancing or acting? Like, is he is he pursuing that in any type of way? And my mom's like, no, not as of now. And then she's like, listen, I'll give him a full scholarship to what? my academy. Yep. Yeah. And so from there, you know, I continued in the D.C. area and started dancing more and singing and, and did some, some slight acting. Um, and then... By high school, I stopped everything. Mm. And in high school and in college, I did nothing that had to do with dancing, singing, performing. Yeah, I thought that, you know, it was time for me to let that go. I had done that for the majority of my childhood. But now I wanted to just feel like I was like, I was the man in school. I wanted to be prom king and student council president. You know, I wanted to have that experience. Um, And... And also, just to just to be transparent, and for any of the other creators out there, I also was running away from who I was, mm-hmm. um, and I was running away from that because, you know, throughout elementary school, kids would tease me. You know, there were there were there was bullying happy, happening. You know, not crazy, mm-hmm. but there was that happening because I was a black kid mm-hmm. growing up in D.C. in the arts, mm-hmm. um, a black male. And, you know, that wasn't, it wasn't always cool to dance, you know what I mean? To be a a young man that danced. And um, so at one point I took that on, I took, 
I became the champion. I, I started a hip hop dance. Well, I didn't start it, but I joined a hip hop dance group and I was the only male in it. And by the time I was done, I had attracted, you know, so many young men to it um, that we became popular for the fact that we had almost just as many girls. At one point, we had like almost just as many guys as we did girls. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So this was something at a young age that I, I took on to champion. But. I think at some point it just all became a little much and I looked at it and felt like I wanted to just turn away from that. So then that's when I just got into, you know, running the streets with the girls and, and experiencing life, you know what I mean? Um, in, in that type of manner. Um, so then after college, I moved to New York, thought that I was going to do um, corporate America with with in marketing and, and somehow I still wanted to, I knew I still wanted to be create, um, connected to entertainment. So I went and I, and I started working at a record label, thought that was going to be the path, got into it and realized none of that was fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So then my, the next step on the journey, I told you I was a journeyman. I done <laughs> did it all. Even though Jamel knew that creativity was in his bones since he was a young kid, and now has been able to craft his entire life around it, there was a time when he didn't think it was cool. When he pushed away that deep need to dance and sing every chance he got, in favor of fitting in. Of running with the girls, as he says, and getting a big boy corporate job. You know the feeling? Interestingly, according to a study done by Adobe in 2016, people of color are two times more likely to say that lack of support, tools, or mentors prevent them from entering creative fields. Although this wasn't necessarily Jamel's case, as you'll hear about in a moment, he still ended up leaving his creative passions behind for a little while due to societal pressures. Let's hear about how his journey went from sitting behind a computer all day to dancing as a career. Before the next step, I really want to question, you know, when you left in high school and maybe mm -hmm. like when you went to college, it seems to me what that, that really resonated with me because I'm Indian and I felt like I was a very creative kid growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not I, I would say like I don't think it was encouraged or fostered within like my family environment, my culture or mm -hmm. any immigrants. The, the place where I live, I grew up in Queens because, you know, it was about like creativity is like disruptive and. Risky. and it's risky so I was always taught to take the stable route you know go for mm. the safe uh, way become a doctor a lawyer mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I was so creative in high school and all of those things but then I ended up going into finance and now I'm right. doing this you know so I want to <laughs> I want to hear about like what was going through your mind aside from, you know, I want to be prom king and, um, you know, I want to hang out with the girls or something of that nature. And like, what was Were there like bigger societal factors? Right. Maybe we've experienced that too. It was 100% my choice. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom was 
actually the complete opposite. She mm, was she fostered great. all of my creativity to the mm -hmm. point that like she actually she was the one who helped me define that I am a creative, empathic, sensitive wow. man. That's yeah. Amazing. And and to stand in that she always as as a single black mom, you know, she's had to be strong and she mm -hmm. one hundred thousand percent um instilled that in me. So that was one that. thing that yeah, that was one thing that that without a doubt mm -hmm. was was part of who I was. And so I made the that was just a total personal decision mm -hmm. that um I, again, I think that the pressure of wanting to fit in mm -hmm. um then I guess that societally, you know, um wanting to fit in and then and then again culturally um in DC at that time hanging out um, smoking weed, you know, all of that was mm -hmm. the cool thing to do um, versus, you know, being at the fair dancing yeah. with, with a bunch of girls, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't it. That wasn't yeah. a cool thing to, to do per se. And I wanted to be that cool kid. Yeah. Before we dive into your being the journeyman, <laughs> if you think about someone listening to this that's maybe even younger than, you know, our typical audience that's in that phase where they're like, I just want to be cool, but I know that I have this creativity within me. What advice might you give them to kind of hold on to that throughout their oh. life? Oh, my God that you are already cool like mm -hmm. your creativity is so so cool like mm -hmm. the creatives we we you know everything if we look around everything that is here is mm -hmm. because someone was creative mm -hmm. and thought about it and thought it up and so i just my advice would just be listen be yourself love yourself in in all of your quirky weird mm -hmm. you know eccentric creative ways and 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 just continue to pour your heart into into love and and into doing that and i can promise you one day you will look up and you will realize how much you've been able to contribute through mm -hmm. just being yourself um because there's no one else like you there mm -hmm. is no one else who can be you you know you are on this earth and and walking this land for a reason that only you can be so you have to just be yourself and love yourself through it and don't try to be nobody else because you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That resonates with us a lot. Too. And it won't be cool if you think yeah. about it. Like, who wants to be an imitation of somebody else? Yeah. Make you cool by just being you and the world will catch up. If they don't get it now, they'll get it later. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, that's what my mom was teaching me. I had these red Reeboks that I just loved. Yeah. Unfortunately, my dog chewed them up, but I just <laughs> love them. But they were not considered cool yeah. um, when I was in school. And I came home one day crying because the kids were making fun of me. I remember there was this girl. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she made fun of me she, and she used to literally talk so much trash about it and I was like I'm being bullied by a girl right <laughs> like what is happening right now she also had like seven big brothers who oh were all God. older than us in school <laughs> yeah. I was in the second grade at this point and I came home and my mother was like Jamel you wear whatever you want to wear whatever color shoes you want to wear she was like you're wearing red because you are creative red mm. is a color of life you know all of these things that at that point I held on to that then, but then I lost it when I was trying to be something other than myself. Mm -hmm. And y'all, I'm so like comfortable just being 
all wearing all the colors. There are yeah. some days I wake up and I want to wear a thousand colors. And then I look up and Pharrell is on the cover of GQ magazine wearing 20 million colors. And I'm like, I tell my, I tell Katina and my sister that all the time. They're like, you're wearing too many colors. They don't go together. And I'm like, this is how I feel, you know? Yeah. Yes. Katina. Katina I know. Stop it. All right. Stop I'll it. let stop him it. live in his creativity. <laughs> yeah. No, let him. That's expression, man. And yeah. watch, you know, Basquiat, like, so many of our like the legends of creativity were always considered off and considered weird and considered crazy and now you know we revere them now we yeah. look at now that they're gone we look at the works and we look at who they are and we want to imitate that and emulate that and so you know, I say you might be the next Basquiat out there. Yeah. You might be. I love that. Dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> the next Holy Keith Haring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Do you, man? Sufi's going to hold that over I my know. head now. But I love it. We, <laughs> we need it. Um, so I guess on that, could you tell us a little bit about when you started owning that and like how that maybe played out into your career and life in general? Like when did you start to step back into that like ownership of cool and creativity? You know, so this was the next step as a journeyman. Mm. So once I once I realized that corporate America wasn't it, I was still again trying to assimilate and be something that I wasn't. Um, I I just quit and I mm. left. And I mm-hmm. but I needed to. I was in New York. I needed to sustain my livelihood some type of way. So I started teaching after school hip hop dance mm. um, in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And when teaching that in the Bronx, I said, Well, you know what? In order to really be the best teacher, I haven't danced in so long. Mm-hmm. You know, I relate to these kids on a on an urban inner city level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. But now I want to be able to be the best facilitator of this art that mm-hmm. I can be. So I went back to training and dance. And going back into tra- and training and dance just reignited who I was as this child. It, it reignited just the very essence of just who I am. And then I started to realize that there was a community of people like me, of creatives. And there was this subculture in New York that I didn't realize was there. Again, I have double degrees in marketing and management information systems. Can y'all believe at one point I thought I was going to actually work (laughs) on computers every day? Oh, my God. What in the world? And y'all lucky that I'm keeping it PG right now because I be cursing right now. Like, what? You can. Who who the hell did I think I was trying to please and trying to be? Not me. So, you know what I mean? So, um, once I I went back and then I – had this like cathartic moment when I realized, wait, I'm not actually alone. Mm-hmm. I was I was running around town late at night, every night, just going to all the open mics during this time while still having to be up at 7 a.m. to go to a corporate right. job. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to be around live music. I just needed to be around culture. I just needed to be around expression because I wasn't being fulfilled at work. And it was it's it's almost like all things were happening. This is what I was saying in the beginning about alignment. Mm-hmm. All things were starting to happen that were lining me up to bring me back to source, bring me back mm-hmm. to self, mm-hmm. you know, um, during this time period when I went to start teaching the, the after school program. And then from there, that's when, you know, I was invited to join a hip hop dance company. And then mm-hmm. I was discovered in a, in a show by um, an agent Mm-hmm. And then from being discovered by an agent, I started booking jobs, starting with the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show, wow. and then started working with Beyonce and and then Kelly Rowland. And then I started assisting a choreographer 
And then, you know, the rest is history. I went from assistant to a, to second assistant to first assistant mm-hmm. to associate to now, you know, I do my own thing. I'm my own choreographer as well as artistic director. That's amazing. That's so inspiring. I think, you know, oftentimes people struggle with going back to something they love. They just feel like, you know, this was who I was before and this is who I can't go into. Like there's too many barriers for me to go back or I can't go back to school for X, Y, Z reasons. But it's amazing you were able to find your passion for dance and go back into it and hustle even while you were working. And it shows like you've trusted this process and it highlights this, you know, importance of what we what we think as apprenticeship, you know, you went from Mm -hmm. being a dancer to assistant Mm -hmm. choreographer. So can you talk a little bit more about that journey? I think folks nowadays just think that, you know, I just need to put one video up on YouTube and that's Mm going to be my lottery ticket to get there. But Mm -hmm. I think you talk about like the importance of this journey. And like, yeah, studying and kind of moving along Mm -hmm. that process. I think that it's, um, it's a cancer in our in our society right now that 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 people are feeling like there's this thing of like popcorn careers, mm-hmm. um, what what which I like to call it, where it's just <laughs> you are colonel and then in thirty yeah. seconds you have right. <laughs> now become a full fledged, you know what I mean, buttery popcorn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and but the but the but the thing is, without the process, first mm-hmm. of all. The process is the beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Like the discovery is the beauty. And mm-hmm. then it's not about just the destination. It is about the process. So if you think you can just jump to the destination and feel the value that those who have actually gone through the gamut, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Just from a value perspective, the, you're never going to really feel what you're looking to feel. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because you never really put that work in, that investment in um and then but then from the respecting the process perspective Mm -hmm. you will never actually i i don't believe that that people feel secure in who they are when they have not put in the the work right Mm -hmm. um you always have this level of insecurity about it um Mm. when you don't prepare you know what i mean like that's like with anything if you're going into take to, to, to a test and you're unprepared, you're insecure about every answer that you that you place. Even if even if the B is the correct answer, totally. you're probably unsure because you didn't right. you did no preparation, you know? Yeah. Um so I think that that's super important. And and I also think that for me, man, like I haven't gone through all the different stages from being a dancer to mm-hmm. to an assistant like i said to an associate to to the actual choreographer i can speak from every perspective when i am when i am leading right mm-hmm. which i think makes me a better leader which i think puts me in certain certain situations and i'm able to manage the situations in a very successful way mm-hmm. right um and i think that a lot of times people don't realize but like if there's people, there are people out there who want to be choreographers, just please understand that it's so much more than the steps. Yeah. It's literally managing personalities. It's literally managing all the different scenarios that are, that are thrown at you. So if you have no on-stage experience, then how can you manage someone who, you know, okay, let's just 
we're mm-hmm. at sound check. We're at camera blocking right now, and there's no rooms in the wings, and your mm-hmm. dancers don't know how to get out, and your dancers mm-hmm. don't know what to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not that, not that as a dancer you have had every experience possible, but you have more than likely experienced some of this mm-hmm. in some type of way. And so your experience will help inform your decision. And a lot of times you have 15 seconds to make a decision because you only have 10 minutes to do this camera blocking Mm. and that's the end. You know what I mean? So there's Mm -hmm. just so so the investment is necessary for you to be a a fulfilled and and a full um, successful leader um, in this. So I think that people who want to skip the steps, one, shame on you because, you know, greatness does not come from shortcuts but Mm -hmm. then um and and i hope that you desire the process and not to just be anything because there's again i'm i gotta reiterate that there's so much truth and awareness and and awakening that happens in the process that it's so necessary but then two you just won't be your best guys you just won't be the best that you can be totally so do the work yeah. Just do the work and you'll feel better for it. Yeah, we love that so much. You know, as you're describing that, it kind of reminds me, my dad has been in the restaurant business since he like immigrated from Greece when he was a teen and he started as a dishwasher and mm. kind of moved up to owning his own restaurant. And he always talks about the importance of like starting at that um, level of being yeah. a dishwasher and knowing every aspect of the kitchen. And I think that it's exactly what you're describing, kind of being, it's something we don't talk about in our culture and especially in creativity now that we have social media and right, <laughs> gonna right. make people go viral. But um, real quick, and I just want to add to that, like, yeah. and, and I get it. And I get that sometimes it's, it feels like it can be done because you've seen others do it. Yeah. But mm-hmm also understand that the sustainability is not going to be there Mm. as quick as you popped in there it's going to be as quick as somebody's going to eat you up and you're out of there you have nothing to you have no foundation to really stand on Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so even for me as as a choreographer um when it was time for me i I injured myself and Mm -hmm. i was out and i had knee surgery at the peak of my dance career Mm -hmm. which then forced me as an assistant choreographer you know my work then because I was out for over a year, my mm-hmm. work as an assistant choreographer picked up, and mm-hmm. it was the first time that I got behind the camera completely without being in front and behind the camera, and mm-hmm. I was able to give 100% attention to everything that was happening. I just was a sponge and absorbed so much during that time, mm-hmm. during just that year and a half of being completely focused, knowing that I couldn't dance, Mm-hmm. I couldn't get up and choreograph completely by myself. So this was literally the only role I could play, yeah. but it was so beneficial because it literally set me up for everything that's happening in my life yeah. over these past, you know, six years of me, you know, being at the forefront of my of my career as 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 the leader of that. You know what I mean? So again, like it just all ties into really being the best. And if you want to be the best, you got to put in the work. Yeah. That's such an important reminder. Well, we know Jamal put in the work for sure. But what does his process of doing the work actually look like? How does he translate, say, 
Lizzo's latest song into a badass Coachella performance that will touch millions of people's lives. Let's go behind the scenes after the break. The Unproductive Podcast is brought to you by Daydreamers. At Daydreamers, it's our mission to help the world feel more alive. We're making it cool to have hobbies again and redefine how we all spend our free time. While we can't wait to meet you in real life sometime soon, we've decided to bring creativity to you in the comfort of your home. Make sure that you're signed up for our email list so you can be the very first to know when we drop our next big project. Hint, we have something very special coming to you soon. So head to our website, daydreamerspace.com to get on the list. And don't forget to join the Daydreamers community on social at Daydreamerspace, where we share a ton of tips, projects, and resources for you to get started on your creative journey, no matter where you are in the world. We can't wait to start creating with you. Before the break, we heard about Jamel's journey. From passionate little kid who had dance breakout sessions while stopped at a red light, to highly respected artistic director and choreographer for some of our favorite musicians, from Lizzo to Janelle Monet to John Legend. Jamel has literally been the visionary behind some of the most important and culturally relevant performances to date, taking place on stages around the world. For example, like making the Oscars not so white this year. But what exactly is his creative process? How does he go from hearing an artist's unreleased song to crafting a performance around it? Here's how he thinks about it. So on that, I guess it would be really helpful for us, or Doopy and I are just super interested in this process of like, like how you kind of take what an artist envisions and transforms that into a visual story. Um, so how do you go from like knowing how it moves in your body to actually creating this like visual choreography with a group? Could you walk us through how you kind of go about doing that? And and I would just want to jump in and say, I think part of that, I'm going to assume, hopefully I'm not making an ass of me here, but <laughs> that it, it comes from the fact that you've done everything, right? Because you've been a dancer, an assistant choreographer, and then seen all the other facets of putting this together, you can create this representation. So like what goes through your mind? You know, it's talking about that process again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, listen, again, I have done it all. Mm -hmm. um, and one of those do doing it all, at one point, I was an artist. Mm -hmm. I was Jamel, J apostrophe M-E-L, you know, <laughs> single available <laughs> on iTunes now. Go <laughs> go cop that. Go cop that. No. <laughs> um, but and, and no, no, Your no, royalties no, are going to no. go up now. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, my God. I wonder whether it's still on there because I did do a single. But oh, my God, I'd be so embarrassed. But it's all good. Um, but, you know, so, yes even that so completely i think that one of the ways i'm able to even connect with artists and this is a little bit um tangent from from this specific question but one of the ways that i'm even able to connect with artists is that 
I've been, I've pursued being an artist. So I've pursued understanding the nerves of getting getting up on stage in front of everybody and trying to open my mouth. I've pursued this. I've pursued, you know, um, just just the anxiety of all of that, right? So I think mm-hmm. that sometimes when when I am interacting with artists, I'm able to come from a place of compassion and empathy and understanding of of their journey and even their mindset, the mindset that they don't even talk about. Right. Um, as it relates to my process, man, I can tell y'all, and this is such, this is going to be a possibly an unfulfilling answer, but <laughs> I can't qualify my process into mm-hmm. a spe- anything specific because I'm such a spiritual guy um, mm-hmm. that I I try to I'm a storyteller, and every story is different, um, and every opportunity is a different opportunity, and so. So anytime that, that that I'm involved in something, um, I'm making sure that it's something that I, from a messaging perspective, that I'm aligned with. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, I mean, that's how it always works out for me. And I'm thankful and I just feel blessed that this is how my career has gone. And I just really stay like, I try to stay connected to source so mm-hmm. that when I'm in the process of whether it be the artist just sent me the song and said, let me know what you hear. Or the mm-hmm. artist has a very distinct vision and it's like, make this come to life. You know, it's the range, right? Um, I, I literally just try to listen to, to the God voice that's inside, listen to whatever's been presented and, and paint the picture that just comes, you know? And I, so I know I'm so sorry that that doesn't feel no, super, super amazing. like qualifiable, but it's literally just like, the magic just ends up happening in the process Uh, again process and trusting the process and there have been so many times even take the vmas where Mm -hmm. it was literally the day before the vmas we've already done like um this was this past 2019 vmas and with lizzo and we had already done tech rehearsal sound check camera blocking and it just was something was missing and I was like, oh, my God, I have not crafted a performance that's going to provoke emotion. And I'm just mm. like, oh, my God, like this responsibility is on me. What is going on? And mm. I just got into my center and and prayed about it and was just like, what am I missing? And when I got into rehearsal that day, I did my work and mm. I wrote down all these notes the night before of how I can make the make the performance more technically sound mm. based off of what. I discovered from from you know the camera blocking and and the tech rehearsal, but then I got into rehearsal and I looked at all thirty of these women mm-hmm. who were about to set the stage on fire. Who I, I wanted to do that, but also set people free by mm-hmm. being these full figured women who got up there mm-hmm. who spoke this message um, and realized what was important was not the technicality, but mm-hmm. locking in together from a spirit perspective and these women being able to connect with each other and understand and, and being able to talk through why there was this overwhelming anxiety about getting on stage and why what was what was happening in the rehearsal room was not translating on stage. Mm-hmm. Y'all, what, we spent the full day in a, in, 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 in a powwow. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I was literally praying the whole day, like, oh my God, I can only have these dancers for six hours and I am on the fourth hour right now and we're still talking through this moment. We're still 
people are still expressing. And this is deep seated because you got to understand these were 90 percent of these women had never even been on a major stage before, because unfortunately, because of their size, they weren't given the opportunity yeah. opportunities, even though their skill set and their level, the skill levels garnered it and, and deserved it. But they just weren't given this opportunity. But for me, it was about what's the bigger purpose here? Mm. These women releasing themselves from from you know imposter syndrome and other things and then therefore being able to speak to other people in the world who can recognize that just energetically and can mm -hmm. feel that and that ended up being what drove this performance over and it's just and people, you know, you look at the comments and stuff. I try not to read too many comments because it's a lot of critique <laughs> and, and I'm sensitive about my shit. But uh, no, but um, it was overwhelming um, response that people felt emotionally moved to tears. Yeah. And that didn't come from a technicality. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So again, within the process, I, my process is such a faith-based process where I just really, really tap into my spirit try to listen to source and try to paint the picture that feels the most authentic and honest to, to, to what I've been given and just trust the process and just yeah. trust when it comes together that that was what it was supposed to be. That's so powerful. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so many things that we could dive into yeah. here. I think <laughs> one thing I'll say before we kind of ask you to actually describe a little bit more about um, that actual experience with mm -hmm. kind of casting all of those different women. But um, one thing I want to comment on is this process that you just described. I think it's something that actually is really underrated in mm -hmm. creativity is this ability to connect to a higher power or something that's within mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. um, am a writer and whenever I feel stuck, I also get into a quiet space and just ask like what I need to deliver and what yes. message I need to share. So I just want to underscore that, that it's such a powerful thing that you just described. And like, we often think that it needs to be technical, but um, I couldn't relate more. Oh my God, let me tell you, this is so, creativity is the opposite of technical. Yeah. It's the opposite of mental work. It, it is 100% soul spirit work. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's literally that. The more you're in your mind, the less you can be in creativity. But the more you're present and in the space and, and just open to receiving the creativity, it, it, it'll guide you yeah. where you need to go. You know, I do have like certain little things that I do. Like I when I get the song, a lot mm -hmm. of times like I, I do close my eyes. Sometimes I don't get the song until I'm already in rehearsal, you know, and, and that could be daunting within itself because mm -hmm. I didn't get a chance to prepare and do how I would like to do. I like to come in prepared even before I even sit with, get with my assistant. So my typical process is I get the song, I listen to it, I ingest it, I feel what, what I see and I paint the picture and then I get with my assistant choreographers and I walk them through what the choreography direction is. This is as a choreographer because, mm -hmm. you know, on artistic direction, it's a, it's a different thing. But um, mm -hmm. And then I go through um, go through with them what the choreography direction is and then we all just start feeling things out and moving together 
And then from there, I just continue to chip away and, and make sure that everything, every step is purposeful, every mm -hmm. moment is purposeful and has intention behind it. And if I don't feel the intention, then I, I revise, you know, mm -hmm. and then and then by the end, I see a full picture and I'm like, OK, I see the picture from an artistic direction standpoint. It's very similar, but a lot of that is more behind the computer a lot of that is more mm. like really finding references and different things to illustrate um mm. illustrate the the vision that i see and then you know putting that forward and then just making sure that i always challenge myself for me personally and anybody that's listening i always challenge myself did i go deep can i go deeper you know, mm -hmm. can I take a deeper dive into this? Because sometimes it's easy to take that first surface idea that comes. And that's and that's usually great. And that's usually something that's set the foundation. But then how can you go deeper? How can you make this even more impactful? What are you saying with with this moment? You know what I mean? Yeah. Love that. Katina underscored the alignment of knowing that there is sort of a mm -hmm. spiritual power and then connecting with your you know, soul. But I think for all the logical listeners, I also want to underscore the fact that what you had said, trust the process, it trusts your training, you know, like if you're mm -hmm. a body in movement, you'll stay in movement. So the first time you do something, you're just like, maybe, I mean, so I used to dance in the past as well. We did, I did Bhangra, which is a Punjabi form of dance. And when yeah. we would do choreography, we would just put on music and do the same steps over and over just until we would be messing something around. Came. Something came. Exactly. And that, that you know, sort of R&D or the ideation phase is just trusting the process of knowing, you know, if I do something, even if I'm not good at, you know, singing or dancing, but if I move my body or if I give a tune, like, I'll get better over time because I'll really enjoy that. So I think there's a logical aspect that I want to highlight for the other folks because I think creativity becomes such a haves and a have-nots sort of case and I want to showcase that this is everybody has this capability. Jamel's life work has been all about creating accessibility in an industry that all too often looks exactly the same. An industry that prioritizes cis white women who have a very specific body type. But over his 10-year career, Jamel has worked on creating spaces for all types of human beings, especially those who have been left out of the conversation for far too long. Our favorite example of this, which Jamel will talk about in detail in a moment, is when Lizzo wanted to create a crew of dancers who looked like her which was much harder than they expected. Jamel set out to find big black women who have often been overlooked in traditional casting calls, to the point where they had to do a call out on Instagram to find them. Here's exactly what happened behind the scenes. I do feel feel blessed to be at the precipice of, of, of a, a changing culture. Um, mm -hmm uh in in the industry um and and also blessed to have the courage to kick down these doors blessed mm -hmm. to have the courage to um stick it out um and and even you know l um make sure that my intentions are less about self and mm -hmm. more and 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 and, and self-acclaim and more about what's this bigger messaging that i'm sending so 
for instance, with the, the VMAs, like I said, 90% of the, the cast that was on that stage had never been on a major award show or some of them had never even done a major show like at all, ever, right? They've just been secretly, quietly taking dance class their whole life, but never saw themselves on stage. So then they never envisioned that they could be on stage. I have a, one of the beautiful dancers, one of her stories that she told was how, you know, she came to the audition um, mm -hmm. just because she was like, well, I, you know, I'm used to going to auditions, but I don't expect to actually get the, get to book the job. Even mm -hmm. if I'm the best person in the room, I don't expect to actually book the job. So I don't often go with the expectation of booking the job. She said that. And this after is purely this, based on appearance, right? Completely based on her size. Yeah. So the context of that, of this specific dancer, she's, she's um, what we like to call a big girl. Um, and, and that's that's an endearing um, um, term for us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Lizzo dancers are called the big girls. Mm -hmm. And so we like to call them big, thick girls who are proud. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And so uh, but but specifically on this particular audition, um, she came and she said she she wept when she got mm -hmm. in the car and she wept big after she, after she left the audition one because there was a room Full of, of all different sizes for sure. Um, mm -hmm. There were actually more thin dancers than there were um, thicker dancers, mm -hmm. um, and the call was for thicker dancers. But I get it, you know, I'm a choreographer who is from New York, but I live in LA, so it's not often that I come to New York and audition. So I get it. A mm -hmm. lot of dancers were like, I just need to get in front of him. You yeah. know, I was, I've also hired a lot, particularly black women, with mm -hmm. um, Janelle Monet. Um, over the over the few years before that, so I get it. Um, but it was specifically for women, and and Lizzo put this on her Instagram, who looked yeah. like her. Um, and so, but this one particular beautiful beautiful sister said she got in the car and she wept, and she wow. wept because she didn't know how to actually process the fact that she thought that she could possibly book this job. Oh my she gosh. said she's so used to walking out and being like, well, that happened. On to the next thing, you know, and that she actually walked out and was like, wait, could I possibly get this call, mm -hmm. you know, for mm -hmm. this? And, mm -hmm. and for me, that broke my heart. You know, um, I was happy that she actually did get the call and she booked the job, mm -hmm. deservingly so. But the idea that that prior to that, she had actually never seen herself on the stage. So um for me, the biggest way to create change, and I think mm -hmm. this is also what's happening right now, is to just do it. You know, mm -hmm. this is what's happening right now in society. At some point, you just get tired. You just get fed up with it. Mm -hmm. And then you just say, I'm taking it, you mm -hmm. know. And so um, kudos to Lizzo, who, you know, when she came um, to me and we first started working together, she made sure that I was very clear that this is a platform that she stands for and this is what she stands behind. And mm -hmm. then I aligned with her as a choreographer um, and live show artistic director and said, all right, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. Like, let's change this industry. And I knew that that was going to be an uphill battle for me on with, with specifically with the work that I have to do because at the same time, I'm training dancers to be on the biggest stages in the world but again most of them have never even had experience on some of the smaller stages mm -hmm. so if you can understand the mental processing 
that needed to happen and how fast it needed to happen. And then they're around all of their peers and, and, and people and dancers that they've looked up to that they've seen on stage all, all the time. And we're all sharing the same dressing rooms and the same, you know, group areas and them being able to feel as confident stepping on stage. I needed to make sure that they had that inside of them mm. as, as a leader, as their choreographer, um, artistic director, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to the process, but I think what it happens in the same with Janelle, with, mm-hmm. with, you know, having an army of black women who we carry, there were 20 black women on the Grammy stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one, I, I've never seen it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but she was very clear. It is time that the world sees us and, and we have to stop feeling like, you know, we ha- we cannot stand behind this message of, hey, I know that there are others, but for this moment, mm-hmm. it's just like with the Black Lives Matter thing, for yeah. this moment, we're underrepresented. So for this moment, we need to take this moment and make this moment about us. So mm-hmm. I'm honestly just blessed to be aligned with artists who that's part of their messaging. And I and I fully took that on because that's also part of who I am. I am a person of all inclusivity. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, there was a, an, a another interview I did and, and the interviewer said to me, you know, yeah, you, you're an advocate for big girl dancers. And I was like, no, I'm an advocate for great dancers, yeah. period. Mm-hmm. I'm an totally. advocate for great dancers. And, but I'm also an advocate for, there are times when we need to uplift the people who have been marginalized for so long. We yeah. need to give them this opportunity so that they understand that these opportunities are, are there. And then also we need to make sure that they do not feel like they are just like, just uh, a one and done you know right. what I'm saying like mm-hmm. no they are they deserve to be in every opportunity that that they're qualified for yeah you know um and not discriminated against so yeah we can create that change all across the board mm-hmm. all across the board I completely agree wholeheartedly we're shaking our heads like so much here I think it's important important to do that across every industry across society that you know everyone feels they're represented they feel like they have idols or mentors that they can look up to and there's nothing restricting them from ever feeling like those things can't be you know achieved and i think Mm -hmm. the performance model janelle monet was incredible to showcase you know in that cultural context as we can, we're, we're, we're here, we should be allowed here, and we should always be representative, represented. And that's exactly yeah. what's going on in our mm-hmm. society today, yeah. that we've been m- marginalized for too long, and then we feel like we ha- should have a voice. So I think it's, you know, you're doing incredible work in, in terms you. of up- uplifting those voices and having the younger generation and every generation around us realize that, there is value to every single human being. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I was just so, even with the Oscars, I'm just so thankful Mm -hmm. to even have had that opportunity. You know, um, this is, uh, we all, it's a glaring issue that it was hashtag for years. It's been hashtag Oscar. So white. Yeah. Yeah. So to Mm -hmm. open up the, the show and to have it be a black queer woman, Um, who has been asked to open up the show as the artist and then to have a black man 
the artistic director and choreographer, and then to have a, a cast of of seventy-five uh, percent black performers mm-hmm. open up the twenty twenty Oscars. You know that kind of set the tone. Totally. For, yeah. for for this year is a year of change, people. Yes. So and it's happening, <laughs> and, and it you can't stop it. It Literally. is a feeding train that is bolting through. <laughs> Get in the way if you want, and you will get bulled yeah. over, bulled over, over, whatever the word is. <laughs> yeah, I know we are on that train with you, but um, yes, I have you. one before we kind of ask our last two questions. We always love to kind of get our guest perspective on. I have one thing I want to just dive into a little deeper that you said, which was when you were um, had that four hour out of six hour session with um, before prepping for the um, performance with Lizzo. You talked about this idea of like really that mental challenge. And it reminded me of something you talked about in the beginning of our chat of like that confidence that you need to just be yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of us really struggle with that imposter syndrome when we're doing something for the first time, whether Mm -hmm. it's advocating or dancing or whatever it is. So could you kind of talk through a little bit about like getting through that imposter syndrome um, and how we could all kind of like what advice you might have on it? Mm, Wow. That's an awesome question. You know, I think that one of the most important things to do is really do a lot of personal self-work. Um, I say this a lot of times when coming into the industry, I just beg. They say, what, what would you say of a young person trying to break into the industry? Know yourself, get to know yourself and get to love yourself fully um, so that the industry does not define who you are mm-hmm. and so that you don't allow anyone, society or anyone to define who you are. And I think what happens is when you have a groundedness, um, when you've done the work, the self-work, whether that be through meditation, whether that be through, listen, watching Super Soul Sunday, yeah. uh, Deepak <laughs> Chopra, like whatever yes. it is for yeah. you. And, and, it all, and it doesn't even always have to be so like, you know, spiritual or what have you, but whatever you can do to feel like you are actually tapping into yourself and that you're honoring yourself, the more you do that, the more you stand for yourself, the more you'll find yourself attracting situations Mm -hmm. that, that actually are inviting for who you are. You know what I mean? The more you are yourself. And I think that that's just the key is like, when you stand in who you are, you know, mm-hmm. there's, I don't, I don't have like a, a magical pill answer mm-hmm. as much as it's, it's literally like just doing the self work of yeah. loving yourself. And when you do that self work of loving yourself, when you're put in these situations, you know, and, and you drown out the noise, you know, we have to decondition our minds because mm-hmm. we are so conditioned. We yes. are, we, we spend so much time outward You know, Mm -hmm. we spend so much time comparing ourselves with other people. You know, I tell dancers a lot of times when they come to audition for me, please understand that this is an opportunity for you to present yourself Mm -hmm. to me, Mm -hmm. not an opportunity for you to try to convince me that you're the right person for the job. Therefore, you're going to be what you think I'm looking for, because I'm going to see through that. I don't want the person that's like a relationship. 
You know, yeah. show me who you are from the beginning and let me fall in love with you. Not mm. in, not, Don't try to get me to fall in love with someone who you think that I want because then I fall in love with that person and then see who you are. And yeah. I'm like, wait, where's that person? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, That's real no. dating advice right there. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, man. So listen, I told you I'm a journeyman. I done been there too. <laughs> but, you, you know, so when you, when you, you know, get, be you, yeah. you know, um, and then when you show up as yourself, show up for yourself, it's, 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 it's a lot, it's a lot easier to process this, get internal, get inside yourself, show up for yourself. It'll be a lot easier to process the mm -hmm. distractions and, and all of the many things that we all go through. I even still go through mm -hmm. it. I have to check myself. There are times, this was a moment, VMA, I mean, we've been harping on VMA, but VMA is an example. I had to say, I had the option to say, either as I can think through my choreographer um, lens, when it as it related to the technicality of the choreography after on that last day of rehearsal that I had, or I could move through the lens of of who am I? I'm a person that is here to spread this message of love, to set people free through creativity and the arts. And 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 I'm not here to make my peers be able to to impress my peers. Right. And that was a serious battle that I had because I knew that there were going to be millions and millions of people watching my work um, on stage. And I had to make that split decision. Am I here to to and I, I said this kind of earlier, am I here mm -hmm. for my personal ego mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, accolades or am I here for this bigger this bigger moment, this bigger messaging. And that's because I, I do so much self work to be in myself. I was able to say, you know what? It's not even about the steps. Yeah. It's yeah. about the spirit and the heart. And so fuck these steps, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck these steps. What do we need to do so that we can, we can free ourselves up and we can go free other people. And that, yes. that meant we need to not worry about the steps anymore. Let the steps be what they're going to be. And we just need to, to to tap in with each other and encourage and support each other. And I think that's another thing is make sure that you have a support system around you to help hold you accountable and help hold you up. Um, and then it, you'll, you'll learn that you're so not alone in this, that there are a lot of people. But when you have others to lean on, it helps get you across that finish line. That's amazing. Oh yeah. my gosh, Doofy and I are just sitting here nodding our heads like <laughs> we need to be with you in person right now. This is amazing. Oh man, I would love that. <laughs> this message is so powerful and it's so relevant right now. And I think you've done an incredible job of, you know, even from your childhood when you gave up dance and you did that self-reflective work and you came back to like who you are at your core. And that's what it, you're mm -hmm. truly showcasing is like be yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't be anything mm -hmm. other than that. Yep. So what do you do today to constantly always feel like you're that person, your truest self? What's keeping you inspired in your free time? Mm. Mm. Um, well, you know, to be honest with you, I've, the last few years have been completely, I've con gotten completely consumed with work. Mm, <laughs> um, totally. I, you know, which has been a complete blessing, 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 um, where, you know, I went from, John Legend tour and and with about four and a half five years ago straight mm -hmm. into Janelle Monae work 
which mm -hmm. was this Dirty Computers album cycle, which, you know, did all the festivals and all the major Coachella yeah. and, and, and all everything, right? And then from there, right into Lizzo, who then also took off and it was every award show, everything, everything, everything. <laughs> so I had completely, you know, I hadn't had a break in yeah. years. Um, but during this time period, quarantine allowed me so much space to be able to get back with self and yeah. also to be able to realize how important that is and how for me, because, again, as a journeyman, I'm I'm so self-reflective and, and do a lot of, you know, self-analysis. And I was just like, whoa, bro, like you have completely allowed your career and work to pull yeah. you away from connecting with family connecting with friends, uh, looking for love, opening yourself up to love. Like I completely shut everything down and I get it. There are seasons and time periods for that, but whoa, that season just went way too long, y'all. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, so I've been so fortunate to take this time to, to recalibrate to, to set boundaries for myself within my work. Mm -hmm. I, instead of being on 20, on call 24 seven, I have certain rituals in the morning or, or, and practices in the morning that I do where, you know, I, I wake up, I pray. First thing I do is I just, the first things that come to my mind, I just tell, tell God that I'm just so thankful for those things, mm -hmm. right? Whether it be my fingernails because I just cut myself, <laughs> trying to move my covers <laughs> off the bed, or whether it be the four walls that didn't collapse on me during the earthquake, anything. Like the first things that come to my mind, I say, oh my God, I'm so grateful, grateful, grateful. So that sets me yes. off with a grateful day. Um, and then now I've been doing uh, my meditations again consistently daily, which are super important. Um, and then something physical to just make sure that I'm maintaining um, my my body and 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 my breath and 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 loving my body and 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 keeping that moving. Um, mm -hmm. And then one thing that I had left, and I'm so happy I'm back. I be FaceTiming my mama. Oh my yes. God. A lot. <laughs> and if you're talking about somebody that's going to keep you grounded <laughs> and keep and, and keep reminding me of who I am, it's that woman. Yes. She is the light of my life, but she keeps me like, she's like, hey, you know, and it's just, it's just a reminder. Sometimes I'm so overwhelmed with, with, with artistic direction work and what have you. And I'm just always so, I throw myself into my work, but I have yeah. to pull myself out of it and make sure that I stay tapped into all the other things in life that I love. So that's actually um, been, been, been keeping me in my spaces, remembering that life is so much bigger than just what I'm doing in a career. Even if my career feels like my purpose, there's yeah. so much more that I need to make sure that I'm filled up, my cup is filled up so that I have enough to pour into that space. So um, I've now opened myself back up to all those things. I just, and I'm just so thankful to have this that. this time of, of realizing how important that is. And already I just feel so much lighter daily when I wake up. Totally. That's amazing. I think that's that point that you're bringing up about creating boundaries and really giving yourself space regardless of if your job is your passion um, yep. is so important and something just to remember. I feel like this yep. quarantine has taught a lot of us that <laughs> lesson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're more than that one thing that we do you have mm -hmm. to look at yourself as a complete 
wholesome person and you have to like Katina and you guys both said set those boundaries yeah Yeah. okay so last question it'll be really short um so we always love to know what age were you most creative and playful in your life and how could you channel that into your life right now Mm. (laughs) it always brings up a lot of different answers I know right (laughs) um I definitely think my earlier ages, I would say mm-hmm. that um, in, in, in reflection, I was the most playful and creative, mm-hmm. I think, because I didn't have the pressure of an artist's career on the line. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, uh-huh. Millions of people watching. Yeah. Um, but again, creativity is not the technical perspective. It, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't care about any of that. Mm-hmm. Um and I would say that, and I can do more of this, applying that playful spirit and that playful mm-hmm. freedom into my creative process as, I'm, as, I, as I venture into each new project um, would probably provide for some of my most magical work. Yeah. Um, you know? Um, That's so, so well put. Yeah. I think that. I think a lot of folks that have come on the podcast will say something very similar that Mm. they might be playful in their early, earlier on in their life, but they still find, they feel like an inner child today is still alive and thriving. Mm -hmm. So I think that's Mm -hmm. what you're saying is like you bring, you can, you might have the pressures, but you still find ways to bring that into your work. So yeah. Well, Jamal, this was amazing. Thank you so much for making the time. And we're really so grateful for this conversation. Absolutely. For all the work you do. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to, you know, just make sure that I, that we're also, I'm, I also just address, you know, what's happening right now in the mm-hmm. real world as, as it's super important to me. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you to all of the allies who are out there, um, getting out and being on the front line and making sure that, you know, you guys are all helping and aiding towards, and, and I already know that you guys on this call are um, to, towards system, um, systemic change um, and structural change. Racism has no place and we have to all be anti-racist. Yes. You know what I mean? And especially mm-hmm. us in the creative arts you know, it's super important. We are the storytellers. We are the picture mm-hmm. painters. Like we need to paint these pictures and we need to change this narrative. We all know better. Mm-hmm. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. And so since we know better, we can do better. So I'm mm-hmm. just encouraging everyone else um, out there who's listening. Um, and and for all of uh, my black brothers and sisters, I love you. I see you. Um, I feel you. We, we will all, we are thriving and we will continue to thrive. And like I said, for all of our accomplices and allies, I love you. I appreciate you. And I'm, and I'm really thankful for, for you guys stepping up to the plate and um, being on the right side of history and doing mm. what we all know is the right thing to do. Yeah, so beautifully put. Thank you so much for kind of adding that in and speaking to that. We could not agree more. So yes. thank you, Jamal. Yes, and that's why I'm here. Because if if you if you, if you didn't agree, I yeah. wouldn't be able to align <laughs> today. This just is not the exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Talk soon. Thank you so much. Hey everyone! Thanks for tuning in to our chat with Jamel McWilliams. 
How amazing is his energy? I'm like obsessed with him. I literally couldn't stop saying woohoo. I know like a when week. you were editing it, you were. <laughs> yeah, I haven't like laughed that long, that hard in so long. Um, so hopefully this conversation just brings you joy, if anything else. Yeah, he has great vibes. And yeah, he's doing such a great job in the yeah. movement right now too to make sure folks' spirit is up. uplifted, and that's incredibly necessary. Yeah. So, what was your favorite part for this recording? I think. My favorite part was definitely his creative process. I mm -hmm. haven't heard anyone else in our conversations describe it in that way. And um, his reminder that you um, could just like allow things to flow through you and that process of really removing your ego and simply just like, as he says, connecting to source and like kind of removing your own thoughts from it and allowing it to flow is something that I've only recently tapped into through writing and it has made such a difference in like you know when people talk about creative blocks I think that when yeah. you kind of remove yourself from the situation you're essentially just sharing a message it is so powerful so I really loved hearing how he described that yeah I think when we started this podcast we thought about those moments as like the un what society yeah. thinks as unproductive moments mm -hmm. but it's the moments when you're aligned and someone something takes over you yeah. and you're sort of a vehicle for that totally for me one of the most exciting parts was his journey in the fact that he was a very creative kid and like most of us lost sight of his creativity or mm -hmm. took a different path you know what he thought he wanted to do at the time but you know when he realized that it's not who he wanted to be, he didn't want to go into corporate America, he found a way back to what really mattered to him, and that was dance. And he worked his way up from there. Yeah. And for someone who started a career in finance and now is, you know, dabbling with creativity as mm -hmm. well, I think it's really relevant for all of us to know while we might not make that our profession, it's really important to go to the person who we were as a child. And oftentimes yeah. creativity is a huge, huge part of that. Yeah. And I think also the thing that he talked about during that was like, um, finding your people right. and there's a lot of times it can feel really lonely to do that but there are always going to be people who um, are kind of tapped into the same stuff you are so I thought that reminder was really helpful yeah definitely cool well so next week we're going to be jumping back into our normally scheduled podcast episodes um we'll be chatting with al luna who is a painter an artist a passion expert the founder of the hundred day project and so many other things um i think this conversation is just a little gem of magic that we all kind of need right now that reminds and encourages us to dream big and kind of keep reaching for the stuff that lights us up so hopefully it will provide some of that until then don't forget to rate and review us on apple Podcasts. this simply helps more people find the podcast get inspired to live creative lives and get cool interesting guests to share their stories with y'all keep creating and show us how you're being a leisureist by tagging us on instagram at daydreamer space until next time